Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, and you're listening to episode 31. Hey guys, just sitting here tonight. Uh, my wife is out of town, so I'm at the house recording a, a podcast here. And I've been thinking about my dad and a favorite song of his that just kind of came to mind. Uh, very inspirational lyrics. Uh, I'm sure that this will move you. I hope that you have maybe some tissues nearby, but I'm going to go ahead and drop this on you. Here, here are the lyrics to the song. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't stand to look at the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me, and I must be one heck of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. Uh, that is actually one of my dad's favorite songs that I remember uh, by Mel Davis, and it is a great song. If you've never heard it before, check it out. But family get-togethers, he would sing that, and um, my grandpa would get out his guitar. My dad couldn't play guitar, but my grandpa would take requests, and my dad would, would sing that one on a couple different occasions, and just kind of sticks in my mind. The reason that sticks in my mind is because on uh, my most recent podcast with Chris Horton, who is today's guest, we talk a little bit about humility. And uh, if you've been hunting for any length of time at all, I'm sure that the woods has probably taught you a little bit about being humble. Um, there have been moments where I've started to get a little bit confident, and I've learned, and I've got these skills that I've been practicing. I've listened to all these different podcasts and learned all these different things. And then in one hunt, I feel like, man, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Chris experienced a little bit of that last year on a couple elk hunts. And uh, if you don't know Chris, Chris is the founder of Elk Addicts. And Elk Addicts is a Facebook group, also an Instagram group. And it's a huge group of people that just love elk hunting, sharing great stories. Um, and after this podcast, I joined. And I love being on Elk Addicts. And I can't recommend it enough on Facebook. So check that out. But uh, Chris had a great uh, couple of seasons. And it led up till last year, and he had some challenges. And so we talk a little bit about that that idea of uh, humility. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into that in just a second. I want to say thanks for coming back and listening to this podcast. I uh, appreciate a five-star review if you enjoy it. I know that there's several of you that have listened to this before, and if you haven't done the review yet, please uh, help me out and do that. I'd love to spread the word, get a few more people listening. And uh, also, if you'd like to hit subscribe, recommend uh, people for stories, um, I'd love to hear all of that. Um, heard something the other day that just kind of stuck with me that, um, you know, people are going to forget statistics. People are going to forget data. Um, there's not a whole lot of data that sticks in your mind, but you will remember stories. And I just think that that's true. And that's the whole point of this podcast is hearing these stories. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. Hope that you enjoy this one. I had a great time. These are some epic elk stories from Chris Horton at Elk Addicts. Hey guys, I am with my guest today. His name is Chris Horton. He is from Meridian, Idaho. Uh, he is a founder of Elk Addicts, which is a site online for a bunch of guys to get together and share some of their favorite elk stories. He's known as Elk Addict Chris on Instagram, uh, works in the hydraulics industry. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Travis. I appreciate it. So how's, how's, are you in Idaho right now? I am. Um, I'm actually on the road 
for my real job, the job that pays the bills. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, looking forward to elk season. And we're counting down the days for us. It's 29 days till opener. Last night I went up after work and checked trail cams. Um, I have five cameras up in an area that I've been watching a bunch of bulls, a bunch of cows. Uh, they're on different levels right now. They'll come together closer to September when they start breaking each other up and moving into smaller groups. But, um, yeah, getting super excited. Yeah, man, it's it's coming. And I've been planning. I'm not a guy that's elk hunted every year. So, for me, I'm, I think I've got 40 days until I hit the elk woods, like September 10th, something like that. And so, this is my first time with the bow. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to become an elk addict. I'm already kind of there, I think. So <laughs> it can't get here soon <laughs> enough. So, well, Chris, tell us a little bit right. about yourself, yep. and uh, you know, kind of give us a little bit of background on as to who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, so background: elk addicts. So December first, two thousand fifteen. I just kind of on a whim decided to start a Facebook group. Um, because I loved elk hunt, loved talking about elk hunting, where everybody could go join and just talk elk hunting, tips, tactics, success stories, failures, um, and invited some buddies. And uh, it's kind of funny. It's just continued to grow. Uh, here we are today. We're a little over 96,600 members. And what's neat about it is there's no special you know requirement there's guys on there who have killed 20 bulls there's guys who have never killed a bull um it's it's just a place for people to come together about something that we truly love which is elk hunting and you know everybody can share equally right there's no about one person it's not about you know a particular group of people it's Every person, you know, whether they found a spike shed or a 400-inch match set, they can show it off. If they kill a, you know, a cow that with their bow or a, you know, 380 draw rifle draw tag, it's all, you know, there for everybody to share because we love it all. And um, you know, we, I, people enjoy it. Obviously, it's it's continued to grow. I'm actually shocked how much it's grown. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask that. Whenever you started that, did you have any idea that it would? I mean, that's a huge amount of people gathered on that that uh, group. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised. I never expect. I always thought, oh, when I when I started, I thought it'd be really cool if it hit ten thousand people someday. Yeah. Um, I never expected it'd be creeping in on a hundred thousand. Um, but we try to run it good and clean. You know, we, we do the best we can. I have an awesome group of admins that help me, um, keep the thing running cleanly and we do our best job. We can to limit, you know, bashing or attacking or, you know, slander stuff like that. Now, social media, we can't unfortunately stop everything. Um, we do the best we can. But uh, I think that's why a lot of people like it is because we do, you know, do the best we can to keep it clean and on track. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's I appreciate that. I'm a part of a couple different forums and I I notice for some reason it's just I don't know, the word troll comes up a lot. There's a lot of people out there that have nothing better to do than 
just rip other people rather than be supportive. So I, I appreciate that, and I'm I'm excited for what you guys do. Uh, Chris, let's let's jump kind of into your background with elk hunting a little bit. Kind of uh, bring us through how you got started, some of those stories, maybe first elk or something like that. How did how did you become an elk addict yourself? Well, it all started when I was really young. Um, you know, we didn't have YouTube or anything like that when when I was a kid, so it was catching you know little outdoor shows on you know saturday mornings or whatever it was going in the woods with my dad but you know my dad didn't necessarily hunt um as much as i do um he took me out he deer hunted uh elk hunted you know got me started early but it was like just the weekend warrior thing right one two days at a time that's it no big long trips um you know, he was working hard and had a family to provide for. It's something we loved, but we didn't get, you know, as much time um, to do it as, as I guess I, I, I do now. Um, I watched a video years ago as a little kid on Calling Elk. And at as eight years old-ish, I took cardboard and built my own grunt tube and found I could bugle with my voice. And my dad, this was September. My dad was a rifle hunter, so there was nothing open to hunt at this point. It was basically go up and just, you know, scout, look around. And he took me up in September and uh, to the Ochoco National Forest outside of Oregon. I was born in, born in Oregon, live in Idaho now. But, um, took me out there and we walked out this ridge where he'd seen elk before and went out to the end of it. And I did the best bugle I could. I've been practicing and, you know, everything to, uh, try to sound like an elk. Right. And lo and behold, two bulls down below us answered. And in the period of about five minutes, both bulls came up the ridge and it was both, super scary as a little kid because i'm like oh my gosh what did i do um <laughs> made a thousand pound animal mad um but also one of the coolest things and you know that that right there was basically the starting point of um my love of elk hunting at an early age you know did not have a lot of success at all um in camp again there were um family was rifle hunters you know, if we got one bull a year in camp, we were doing pretty good. And, uh, you know, that it, it was tough. So got into the archery deal um, because I loved calling elk. And the main reason I got into archery was that I started guiding for an outfitter here in um, Idaho. And it was taking up all of my rifle season. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I didn't want to not be able to hunt elk. And um, so I'm like, I'm going to start bow hunting. You know, I, I told the outfitter, hey, I'd like to make, not, you know, guide deer in archery season. I'm going to do archery was my time. And that was years ago. This is way pre before elk acts or anything like that. And uh, fell in love with it and have been, you know, archery hunting and, and rifle hunting ever since. 
so Chris, you you start out and you call in these bulls with a little cardboard thing, and that's just absolutely awesome. Uh, you pick up the bow later on. So kind of bring us up to that first time you were able to have success. How did that hunt go down? Uh, how did you get your first successful bull? Well, I guess to talk my first successful archery bull. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of excitement going into my first archery season. Um, had a lot of experience with elk from guiding, uh, with, but I had not ever killed one with a bow myself. And practiced calling, you know, scouting, everything like that. But the one thing I didn't quite understand um, was how long you may have to hold your draw or when to draw when a bull comes in. Um, first elk I had an opportunity at, I couldn't even shoot because I had drawn way too early. And the thing I've practiced was like everybody else was I would draw, shoot, draw, shoot, draw, shoot on target every day. Right. Shot a lot. Felt really good about my shots. The one thing I didn't practice was drawing my bow and then holding it for, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half at full draw. Um, in case an elk hung up, mm. I ended up killing a small five point. Um, first year it was awesome. I shot him at like it was eight yards, nine yards, something like that. Um, but the first elk I had an opportunity at, I didn't even get a shot off because I'd drawn. He hung up behind some trees, looking around, trying to figure out where the cow was. And he he stood there and stood there and stood there, and he started shaking, 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 and got to the point I finally had to come off draw. I, I couldn't hold it any longer. Um, so one of those things I would suggest people work on um, who have never elk hunted before, so say a tree stand or something like that. Um, the way I train for it now is I actually just shoot in my garage at, it's about you know nine yards at an angle. Um, and I count to 100. So I draw, settle, and I go one, two, three, all the way up to a hundred, and then I shoot. And basically, what that has trained is the ability to hold your bow at draw for an extended period of time. Um, if if that animal hangs up, because that that was my first mistake on archery. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that's uh, man, know. that's solid advice. I'm going to go do that tonight. <laughs> I need to start practicing yeah. that. Cause you're right. That's, I mean, the average person's just going out and they're like, okay, I'm good at 40. I'm good at 50. I might be good at 60. And they're just pulling back aiming. And as soon as they settle, they shoot. So you're, you're absolutely right. I think that that's a great idea. But, you know, as far as my first, you know, first elk, that was, um, you know, it, it was later in the season. Um, and had several encounters was starting to get a little worried that, you know, while I was the cool thing I was seeing elk a lot was that um, I wasn't going to get an elk. Now I, I, you know, also know that at my as my first year in archery that I harvested a bull um, is not statistically accurate. You know, for most part, archery is about a ten percent success rate at least in Idaho, um, and it's either sex. So that's cows, bulls. That's not all giant bulls. You know, that's spikes. That's cows. That's you know, 
four or five points, six points, and, and everything in between. Um, so it's not a high percentage sport, you know, and, um, you know, that, that in a good example. So 2017 um, had a lot of fun hunts planned, or not a lot, I guess, too. I had Idaho archery OT over the counter tag here. And then I was going up to hunt um, Roosevelt's in Washington. I'd made the decision to go try to do that. And, um, you know, 2017 rolls around, trained hard, shot hard. And opening weekend, killed a pretty nice 5x5 five five here in Idaho. And ended up shooting him at 12 yards frontal. Mm. I had okay. spotted I him yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you how, how how did you you know I'm, I'm as a guy that's never been before kind of set me the picture. How did you get him to even get to that point at twelve yards? Because that's that's my goal. I mean, I want to have that opportunity. So what what tactics? You know, I know we tell a lot of stories on here, but we can talk tactics too. What what did you use to get that bull into to twelve yards like that? Well, it was um, honestly a midday bull. So I'd hunted all morning, worked up through a big. Um, drainage got up into a wallow that i um nose up there had been being used and uh called all morning didn't see a lot of fresh tracks a single track here or there and um sat at the wallow for a couple hours and Hmm. wasn't hearing anything wasn't seeing anything was glassing uh the mountains and you know the wall is pretty high it's kind of on a bench where I can glass a bunch of different little draws and stuff. And, uh, I sat there and sat there, you know, and I, and I was kind of just trying to decide looking at Onyx, trying to figure out what my next move was going to be. The wallow had been used, but not in a couple days. So it wasn't a wallow that was getting hit all the time. And I, uh, I made a decision, Hey, I'm going to move the area, but then I saw moving in the trees. And, um, so I, you know, pick up my bow and I just kind of caught a flash, and out came this coyote. <laughs> so, not a bull, um, but I'm like, huh, oh, that's cool. You know, every every time you see a coyote, no matter what you're doing, it kind of turns into a coyote hunt, right? <laughs> right. And um, so, arrows knocked. So, I have a diaphragm call. I started squeaking a little bit, and he came running right up. And uh, I shot him frontal at like 20 yards. So he came around this tree and stopped looking where looking where he'd heard the me calling from and I was at full draw already. As soon as he popped around that tree, I just thwack and argh, you know, down he goes, right? I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. Never you know, I'd never shot a coyote with my bow. Um, knew at that point, you know, they they kill a lot of fawns up in our area. So I was, you know, I was at that point going, Hey, yeah, cool. I just saved um a bunch of fawns and um <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, now that thing just made a bunch of noise right here. Went and got my arrow. I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with my plan, bomb out. So I started working out the drainage, and um, it was about 11, 11.30 in the morning. So working through a north-facing slope where elk like to bed, and I'd go about 20 yards, glass, look around. Go about 20, 30 yards, glass, look around. And I just was slowly working out this drainage. And I've been doing this for, you know, half hour-ish or so. I've probably gone 
five six hundred yards down this this uh, you know drainage, um, and I stop glass and I can see antler tips behind this log. And I'm like, oh hey, there's a bull. Um, wasn't that calm. It was more like, oh my gosh, there's a bull. Uh, <laughs> you know? so, yeah. so now I'm trying to figure out how do, how do I get to him? Like, right, he's looking the opposite way. He's bedded um, behind this big log that I can just see that his antler tips, but it's all open beneath him for like, or not real open, but it's broken. It, it's, it's just a few big trees, right? Um, it's not brushed to be able to crawl. So, I get kind of lined up where I've got these three big trees in a line going towards him, right? He can't see me. So I, you know, drop my pack and I start slowly working up the hill, step, step, watch him step, get behind one tree. All right. Now I'm at like a hundred yards from him. Look in, he hasn't looked down. Look in, look in. Okay. I, Slowly, I step, take a couple steps to the side and start walking with that the next big tree directly in line with them, working up the hill, trying to just slowly, slowly step. I ended up slipping. I, I stepped on a rock, uh, some stuff, and you know, some loose like scree rock, and it slipped. Um, and then I'm frozen, right? Because his head's instantly up, and he's kind of looking. He's yeah, he, can see antler tips looking around, but. He's not got like his head. He can't, he's not looking over it. He can't look down at me. You can tell he's just looking with his ears basically. So I did a real light, just, you know, real light mew cow call. And, um, so he kind of perked a little bit and I sat there and waited, waited, waited. I thought he might stand up and, um, he didn't, he kind of just settled back down. I'm like, okay, well so much for mew. Come here. Um, so I get up to that next tree. I, I, I'm peeking around, looking, glassing him. He's still, at this point, he's like 80-ish yards from me. And I had one more tree um, in front of me. And uh, so I get up to it. And at this point, I'm about 60 yards from him, right? And um, he's still behind the log. So there's no shot. There's no open air there, there's nothing else for me to get behind to try to get to him there's some brush straight above me and he's kind of what you'd be if you were if the brush was at 12 o'clock in front of me he'd be at behind this big log at like 11 o'clock right mm-hmm. so i sit there and go okay well i guess i'm going to try to call at him so i mew mew so this is you know I've, I've already taken like 15 minutes to get up the hill to get to where i am um, and so I mew, 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 you know, kind of go through a little cow, light, light cow calling just enough. And he stood up, he's looking down there, but he doesn't see the cows. So he's not quite sure. Um, so he, after he stood up, he looked and see it and he walks over right over to the brush and stands, walks right into that thick brush and is standing there. And, um, like, okay, well, there's no shot. So he proceeds to sit there, and I, I'd mute once. He'd stand there for a minute, and he'd take, like, one step. And I'd wait, and I'd kind of mew, mew a little bit, you know, real light, and he'd take another step. This literally went on for, like, 30 minutes of him. I'd oh, mew, man. he'd take a step. 
I knew he'd take a step. And he finally got down to where he's like, he's up in that brush above me. He followed it down to where he's like 40 yards in the brush. And I'm sitting there, you know, by this time I'd actually finally stopped shaking. Like at first you've got the adrenaline, you're trying to settle a little bit. Um, by then I kind of, it gave me a lot of time actually to calm down. Um, and he finally committed and started walking down the hill. So this tree is big enough. It, it, it kind of was, it was a big ponderosa tree and it split in the middle. So there was like a little V about eye level I could peek through. So literally it was perfect. I could peek right through this V and look at him without having to peek around the tree. So he looks like he's going to come to my right looking at him. Right. So I'm looking through the V. I, I get set. I, I come to full draw. Right. I'm thinking he's going to walk this side. Well, about 20 yards in front of me, he then hooks to my left. So now I'm coming off a draw, trying to turn around, looking through this little V, turned around, come up to full draw, thinking he's going to now come on this side. Well, I guess like to 15 yards up in front of this tree, you know, because I can't shoot through. The tree's too big to like try to lean and shoot around or whatever. He switches direction again. And now he's kind of walking to, you know, if kind of kitty corner away from me, right? He's angling a little away from me. Um, so I'm coming off a draw again, turning back around to get to back to the direction I was originally that now he's going on. And I, I settle full draw. Well, he comes out and he's and he kind of arced around. So he went from 15 yards, stayed at about 15 yards, arced. And I thought, okay, well, he's going to walk right past me and I'm going to shoot him on side. Well, he literally got to 15 yards He in the open. I'm settling my pin and he just kind of takes a hard step towards me and just turns and is looking right at me now. Like he spun his whole body and just looked like this is where that cow is sound was coming from where's this cow he's at 12 yeah 12 yards frontal and i'm like oh and he's like slightly uphill and it you know that i i put it right at that soft spot where kind of the mane meets the the hair right there whack hit him right in the and took the top of the heart off and got you know he was slightly quartering um i guess away because it hit the front of the one lung and the back of the other lung mm-hmm. um but it took like i said took off the top of the heart so he made it 80 yards ish because it was a very steep slope he basically crashed straight down the hill but it looked like um it looked like you'd taken a you know coffee can full of blood throwing it the whole way it was one of the most amazing blood trails i've ever seen but uh it was just gushing where he as soon as i hit him when he spun, he just sprayed, and that's I, I knew at that point he was completely done. Um, Man, that's incredible. <laughs> right. So I went from that. That was I. That was 2017. Um, then I went up to Washington, hunted rosies. That was a lot of fun. Um, killed a, a five by five rosie up there. He, he's like two ten rosie. Um, and again, that was a different ball game. Um, thick. That was interesting to be able to have bulls at like 20 yards that you can't shoot. Um, so, so it was definitely a lot of fun. That was, you know, so 2017 was a great year, right? I fired three arrows and um, killed a coyote and two bulls. Mm-hmm. 
That's fast that's a great year. Fast <laughs> right. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, right. I come off 2017. It was awesome. Um, felt like I knew what I was doing, <laughs> you know, and then 2018 came around. Uh, did not prepare the way I normally do in 2018. I. Uh, just kind of almost coasted into the season, right? 2017 had been great. I kind of was, oh, man, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm hunting. I know blah, blah, blah. Um, it did not go so good. I Opener, I'd been watching these elk. Backpacked in there with my buddy. Um, we thought we had a really solid game plan. First, first morning, we uh, 121 elk in front of us. Right. There's three bulls and all the rest are cows. It is a giant herd. And we're like, well, this is pretty cool. Right. We, we called a little bit, bugled at the bulls a little bit. They hadn't they, they had no interest. Right. They had one hundred and twenty one cows around. them. There was no calling those elk to 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 save your life. Right. I heard that big. You can't hardly uh, you know break them up. It wasn't full rut. It was, again, opener. It was August 30th. Mm. So. You know, it was awesome to see, but there was nothing you could do with them. We followed them all day trying to see if we could pick up a satellite bull on the edge or something. And there was no go. Um, so opening day, that was awesome. We saw, we saw more elk than ever on the opening day. Day two, uh, my buddy woke, woke up with a vengeance. I slept really hard all night. He did not. Apparently, you know, we had a bull bugling um, above the tent about 100 150 yards and it kept him up all night so he woke up with a uh, a vengeance <laughs> <laughs> so we went up there first thing in the morning you know we we hooked from the tents hooked around got the wind right um and made a move on those bulls my buddy got within about 70 yards of him but didn't like the shot um it was just you know a little too far especially that early in the season um you know, and it just didn't work out, but it was pretty cool. We got, we had him raking the, he was raking the ground and throwing grass up in the air and he wasn't bugling, but he was just tearing the ground up every time I'd cow call at him. Um, he was a younger bull. I didn't ever bugle at him. Um, I was trying to pull him over an edge cow calling, but it, you know, it just, it, he, it just raked the ground, raked the ground. And it just, unfortunately he, he got that close, but never would close the distance. Um, hmm. went from that glass, another big bull that I've been watching was a real nice six by seven found him. So made a big move. hiked a couple of miles, got, um, watched him bed, bedded on this face. So where they bedded was this little like corner. Um, and there's a, one main game trail going into it. And then they can go over this rim rock over the top if they have to, but they, for the most part, they, they don't do that. Right. They use this one game trail. It looks like a hiking trail because they go back and forth. They bed in this corner and they use this trail. So got up in these rocks. We had, you know, camera set up and we thought it was going to be epic where we settle in to wait for them to you know, come out of it. We've got them at 120 ish yards and we think we've got them dead to rights. Right. Um, he's, he was a nice bull. He was a three twenty, three thirty, um, six by seven. And, uh, 
so we're waiting and we're about two hours into waiting on these elk and out of nowhere they all jump up and uh go scurrying up this steep freaking rocky face and go bombing over the top like you know like it was on fire behind them and i'm checking wind we haven't felt swirls wind's been great we can't figure out what's going on so now we're really disappointed we're like holy cow we've been sitting here for hours um waiting on these elk knowing what they were going to do knowing where they were going to feed um and, and all for them just to blow out so we're glassing looking maybe if there's another person somewhere no no not you know we don't see anybody so we're now sitting there trying to figure out what's going on um we're sitting there we climb up out of there start glassing looking to see if we can locate some more elk somewhere um it's about noon and all of a sudden about 45 minutes after this all happened we start hearing hip yeah yeah well those elk had heard way before us this this range of mountains we were on they run cows on one side for the summer and then they winter them on the other side oh, no. so it's like a it's like a 12 14 mile run to go over these mountains from where they they run these uh cows here comes a cattle drive it, what 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 they had picked up the sound on those of those of them moving those cows you know are near an hour ahead of us and uh, that's incredible here, it's incredible what they can hear cows, right and so we're like huh and now so we're up here watching and also we see elk going out of this drainage over here a mile away and you know all the elk are just leaving like they're just vanishing from the area so we're pretty uh frustrated we're like okay within a couple days they'll probably come they'll come back it may settle but so we made the decision to go back get camp and pack back out um because we knew we basically were going to lose the next couple days and it was you know the opening week um so we head back, right? We we bomb back, go to a different area, you know, go to a, another area we'd hunted a lot. And uh, that night we sat and glassed um, and looked and located some elk. And uh, the next day we go up there. And, um, you know, we're still, it's you know, a little bit disheartened about what happened with, you know, all my scouting and everything for the opener all going up in smoke, but still, I mean, it's opener, you know, it's, it's the first few days elk season. Um, you're still riding high, right? Uh, we get up in there all morning. We've been working, not hearing anything, not seeing anything, no calling, no bugles. And, uh, so I start, we, we actually split up the three of us. It was, uh, myself and then my buddy, Mark and my buddy, Don. And uh, so I go up through the stark timber and start working basically a similar tactic to what how I killed that bull in 2017. Um, going 20, 30 yards, glassing real hard, going 20, 30 yards, glassing real hard. Uh, get way back in some timber and I hear a twig pop snap. So I start calling and um, real light, just a, like two little light mute, mute cow calls listen pop snap okay well you know at you know 40 yards out walks his calf and i'm like oh well you know cool, cool. finally saw an elk at least right <laughs> wind swirls and calf blows out of course 
and the 10 elk that were with her of which three were bulls that I had could not see in this thick stuff they were in. Um, (laughs) Wow. You're off to a great start in 2018. Right. right, Yeah. So everything's going fantastic. And I'm like, great. So they ran up over this Ridge. They go up this game trail. I kind of wait for a few minutes, let it settle. And I'm beside, all right, well, I guess I'll roll up over that trail too. um, Go see where they went. Roll up in there. And uh, it's a main game trail going between two drainages. It's now like noon. And um, I decide I'm just going to sit this trail. So I I go and I sit down. And uh, just sit there, wait, and kind of killing time, glassing, listening. And this little spike comes, runs over um, right in front of me, and I let him go. Um, It's like, oh, it's opening week. I've killed branch bulls up here every year, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not going to shoot a spike opener, you know, kind of story. Well, it worked good because about an hour after that, one of the another six points that I had had on trail camera um, walked out and I panicked bad. Did not use my rangefinder, which I always range everything I shoot. Right. I'm, I'm a stickler about it. I have I run an option archery site, which has fixed pins and a floater. Um, the floater is completely separate. So I run my fixed pins 30, 40, 50, and I leave my floater at 60. But I, what I like to do is flip the fixed pins out of the way, range and set it for exact. So when I'm shooting 46 yards, that pins at exactly 46 yards. So I'm a st- I love hunting that way. Well, this bull walks out and I literally forget. Everything I know, I don't range him. I don't judge the yardage correctly. Um, it was bad, you know. I and I reach, I draw back, and I guessed him at sixty-five yards, and I was way off. Um, he was about forty, forty-five, <laughs> and I let that arrow go. And as soon as I did, I went, oh way too high and i ended up hitting him about two inches below the line of his back right into that heavy bone and excuse me uh muscle there you know the 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 back strap there and that arrow went in like four inches three inches and just whack and he takes off arrow comes out um and i'm just disheartened right I, that was the first bull I've hit and did not recover. Um, you know, so I waited an hour, went down there to double check, ended up following the little drops of blood for a little bit ways. They disappeared, followed tracks and I ended up glassing him like a half mile from there. He was bedded up underneath a tree. So then I, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, he's bedded. Uh, maybe maybe I didn't hit him as bad as I thought I did. But I'm in my mind. I'm like, I hit him two inches from the top. So I start slowly working down the slope trying to stalk on this bull. Well, I get like 140 yards from him. And he, you know, it's a sagebrush face. I mean, there wasn't hardly anything for cover trying to work down it. And he caught me moving, jumps up. And he's got this little spot on his back where I can see right where I'd hit him. It was about the size of, you know, a three-inch dot. And he just, away he goes. And um, good news, I did see that bull later 
where, uh, you know, running cows, he had a little scar. And I, in fact, I even have him on a trail camera this year, uh, back again. So kind of looking for a revenge match, but, um, you know, it was still disheartening to make that mistake, yeah. you know, and, and, and that kind of just, it spun me out. I then missed, missed, made another, missed another bad shot and hit, you know, or went over a bull that night. So now I've had th- the three worst, you know, or no, opening day was good, right? Seeing all those bulls, but second day sucked. Third day, I've just made these mistakes. I'm spinning out bad. I didn't even hunt the day four, um, ended up going home, try to regroup saying, okay, you can figure this out. I went and shot a lot, you know, trying to re- go over everything in my head, what, what I'd made for mistakes, come back up to go hunting. I proceeded to hit two branches that two branches on bulls where I shot, hit a branch, arrow explodes, arrow disappears, um, found both arrows. No, no, neither bull was hit, but so now I've, you know, the season's just spinning out of control. I did get a buck um, that week, which was, you know, it was a little three by three, you know, muley buck. Um, but the story that topped off the week, I'd been up there for eight days straight, and of which most of the days I'd hunted solo. And because uh, most of my buddies going to be up there during the week. I had been watching this big bull and he's one of the biggest bulls in the area that I've ever been able to find. I've uh, watched him for several years now. Last year he was about 340 on camera. Um, you know, we measure, you know, going off of, you know, dimensions off a of camera, we put him about 340, which is an awesome, you know, public land bull. Absolutely. Like, right. Uh, stories of people saying, Oh, 360, 380. I mean, it, it, to be 100% honest, there's just not a lot of, you know, 360, 380 bulls out there on over-the-counter units. Um, I got on him, and I spent all morning going back and forth, bugling with him. I've I've been dogging him, buying his cows, what checking the wind, trying to make sure I do everything correct. Right, I know which bull it is. I've seen him. I know he's one of the biggest bulls in the area that I know about. Um. You know, just trying to make sure I do not make a mistake, right? I've already messed up everything this season, um, except the shot on my buck, right? And uh, I'm on him. I'm on him. It's finally about 11 o'clock, and they go up on a bench, and they bed. The cow's bed down here, and I'm 100 yards behind them, been watching, playing the wind, again, trying to make sure I do everything correct. He goes up the ridge in front of me, um, again, about 100 yards in front of me, and I can hear him go up top. He's now about 100, 150 yards above his cows, and he starts raking this tree. He's just tearing it up. So at this point, I use it as my opportunity. I go go forward, and I get about 40 yards above the top cow that had bedded. And, again, it's pretty thick, it, thick-ish up in there, enough that you can move around without getting seen. Um, and I got 40 yards from the – trail he'd used to go up and I, I just get between him his cows and i bugle and he came on court he screams right back in my face he comes running down the trail he comes right down he's 46 yards he stops right at the tree i'd ranged so i knew where it was i knew exactly where he was i go to draw my bow and i'm shaking 
I get about three quarter drawn and I can't get any further. I come off a draw, like, right. My arms just failed. I could not do anything. I start trying to redraw, redraw. I, I cannot get my bow back to save my life. I've shot this bow thousands of times. It's on its second set of limbs, third set of strings, right? It, I've, this bow and I had a lot of history together, <laughs> you know? Oh, um, and he stood there for 20 seconds and um, just looking around, trying to, and he, he looks over at movement. He's all worked up, slobber going everywhere, this big old bull. There's nothing I can do. And I, I cannot get it drawn. He finally, his cows blow out because I bugled right above them, right? They all jumped up as soon as I bugled. Um, and they all kind of scurry out. They didn't blow out, but they certainly moved. Um, and at that point, I kind of just sat down, cried, honestly. And, uh, you know. Who wouldn't? It was such a, it, yeah, it was such a change, 2017 to 2018. You know, and I guess the moral of the story there is, you got to be prepared every year. Every year is new. Every year, you know, past success does not dictate future success. You got to earn it, you know, every year, no matter what. And um, it, it was humbling last year. Uh, uh, before that, I had a, I was on a five-year streak of killing bulls with a bow every year, one or two bulls. Um, 2014, I killed two bulls. Uh, last, you know, 2017, I killed two bulls. You know, I, 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 I felt like I was on a, you know, knew what I was doing. I'd come into my own and, uh, it was so humbling, you know, and then all, all up to the last, last night of season, um, I go up there trying to get on an elk, right? I've spent the last two days of season just hunting like a mad and trying to get on elk. Blowing, blow this, blow that, wind is bad, blah, 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 everything, you know, no shots. Last night, I'm, ru- I'm running up this ridge. I'm trying to get up to where I'd seen some elk. And my buddy, um, you know, I glass, you know, we see, we see elk over at another spot. And they're a lot easier to get to than the elk I was trying to get to. So I go bombing back off of this ridge. I just busted my butt for 20 minutes to hike as hard as I could to get up. Um, go running, literally running down this ridge, bombing over to where these elk are, and go bombing up that basin to get to them. And, uh, again, get up below them, 150 yards below them. I have to go underneath them and then up to try to get the wind right. Like, right, I got to stay low enough that my wind is going up this drainage, not blowing them out, but then I have to hook all the way up and around them to try to get to them. And, uh, it's a bull. He's got cows. And uh, I go, I get up in there. I get above them. Everything's great, right? I've, I've, I've done it right. I've played the wind right. Wind has stayed good. And I'm sneaking up. I'm watching this bull. He's at 80 yards. Um, he's feeding out in this little pocket in between this timber. I've got the timber in front of me. I'm sneaking through it. If I can get to that edge of the timber, I'm going to have him about 50 yards. Plenty feasible shot. We practice that all the time. Um, I am literally like five, six yards from the edges timber. I'm near these little short jack pines. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm ranging him. I'm ranging him. 
and I literally walk around this about, there's three real thick, um, about four foot tall, like spruce trees all jammed together right there. And I literally peek around them and two yards from me is a cow bedded. I see her, she sees me at the exact same time. She blows up. I'm falling backwards because this, you know, cow elk is standing up close enough to darn your touch. Bulls blowing out and everything just poof, elk are running everywhere and no shot, right? And, and it all kind of everything runs off and I just sit down like, you know, that's it. I got, you know, 10 minutes of light left. It's done. And uh, that's how we finished 2018, you know? Um, <laughs> It, it, it just it, it the way it finished was just the way way it summed up the season perfectly right i thought i had something figured out it blows up thought you know and, and that's it, it it ended that way you know um but to be 100 percent honest right it's made me more hungry for this season than ever before you know i'm i'm i've trained hard i've scouted hard um i after the season followed a lot of these elk that i hunt all the way out to winter range i picked up a lot of their sheds i picked up sheds of bulls i know um you know followed them all the way back up like right i've, I've spent a lot of time this year getting prepared to uh to come back strong you know and yeah. um you know you, you you can't let it discourage you mistakes are going to happen Right, no matter how many elk you've killed, no many, you know, it, mistakes happen, and um, you know, I, trying to come back strong from it, and that's uh, that's what I intend to do. That's awesome, man. I, you know, I'm I'm excited to hear how your season goes, and I, I think there's such good lesson in that for any the woods and you know hunting has such a way of humbling us, <laughs> unlike anything else. About the time you think you know something or have something figured out then you know things go like your last season goes you know and, and and you learn that maybe you didn't have it all figured out and sometimes it does take some luck sometimes it's just you know things just don't work out but i i have to think that the next elk that you take is going to be a very sweet elk like it's going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be you're going to feel really good about taking that next the next bull that you put down right right yeah i know exactly i mean i'm super excited um, you know, and the hard thing with social media, right? We're running a, especially running a social media page. When it comes to season, all you see is success, right? On Instagram, on Facebook, you know, everything, all you see is success. And I think it's created this misconception of that everybody's successful, you know, mm -hmm. and when you're not successful. You feel like you're the only one. And the truth is, is, is it's not that way. Like I said, you know, most archery hunts are about a 10 to 15% success rate. That means for every hundred people, you know, walking out there, that 10 to 15 of those people actually harvest something, yeah. right? As far as elk. And of those 10 to 15, probably only one of those or two, maybe three are actually harvesting, you know, bigger, mature animals. Um, you know, so 
the biggest thing is, especially to everybody uh, who doesn't help, does, doesn't go elk hunt consistently or has been working hard and not had a lot of success, you know, is don't let it discourage you. Go out, hunt hard, go out, rem- remember why we do this. We do it, you know, for the love of the game, the time with friends, the time with family, the country we get to be- spend time in. You know, that's the true reward. If it was, you know, Yes, I've fed my kids, you know, clean, organic meat from hunting um, since they were born. I've had a lot of, you know, I guess above average success. So I've been able to do that. So we've become a little bit reliant on that meat. But if you took the money that I spend on hunting and just went and bought beef from the store, <laughs> you'd, you'd be way ahead, you know, to be to be brutally honest, um, you know, and yeah. You know, so so we got to rem- remind ourselves once in a while, you know, the reason we're there. Yep. And, um, you know, and, Solid. and just quit every, every day, every moment. Yeah, that's great advice, Chris. I appreciate that. And I, you know, kind of one thing I'd just tag on. Somebody said this once, Facebook is everybody's highlight reel. You know, nobody's posting, you know, the mist or posting about the bull that they injured or any of those kind of things. And, and that just goes across the board. It's not just elk hunting or whatever. It's everybody's post. Nobody posts a picture of themselves that they think is ugly. So <laughs> you've got, you've got to oh, keep right. that in mind. And, and, and I think and I think that's great because so many people, I think, get discouraged and they just let that junk get to them. And so um, I appreciate you saying that. That definitely is, is true and something to keep in mind as we go into this coming season. Well, and that's honestly why. So I, I actually made a video um, about last season, highlighting different things that happened during the season, um, you know, that is on our Elk Addicts YouTube called Adversity. And, you know, because I wanted to tell the story and I wanted to show the story out, you know, to people that not every, you know, that that's not all, you know, sunshine and, and rainbows, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's brutal. There is no guarantees. Um, you know, and, and honestly, it's been one of our, our more watched films. Um, cause I think people relate to it a lot more, you know, Absolutely. than than the guy who's going out in Arizona and killing a, you know, three ninety or four twenty or, you know, these, these huge bulls, which don't get me wrong. I would love to do, um, you know, but, you know, I, I, that's again, like I said, why I made that the, the video from all the film that I had from last season and, and talk about the mistakes and, you know, because that's reality. I mean, that is, that's, that's what really happens, honestly, most of the time. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that too. Not, not just your successes, but also the challenges that you had last year. Uh, real quick, Chris, if people want to see that video, you guys are on YouTube. Just look up elk addicts. Is that the the channel? Yeah. It's just under elk addicts is our channel. Um, you know, we've got hunts on there. We've got reviews on gear and, um, you know, we got a lot more stuff coming as well. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, and if you guys are on Facebook, check out Elk Addicts there. It's a group that you can request to join, closed group. And then also um, you can follow Chris, Elk Addicts Chris, on Instagram. Uh, Definitely check that out. That's where I think Chris and I met on there, and I was looking over some of his pictures, and I'm really glad I was able to reach out to you and have you on the show, man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing all those great stories. Good luck to you this coming season. 
I appreciate it. Thanks. Good luck yourself. And right. uh, again, I appreciate you. Appreciate yep. the invite. Absolutely. And that's where we'll wrap that interview up. Man, if you are not jacked for elk season, there there's something wrong with you. That Those stories just pump me up, and I cannot wait. And, and I got to tell you, going in to elk season this year, I have a lot of confidence. Um, and I'm a first-time archery elk hunter. I've been out there for rifle season. I know what that's like. Um, this is only my second time. But I've spent a lot of time over the last three years figuring out what I did wrong the first time and correcting that. So I've learned how, like, first off, elk habitat, where they live. I've learned how to e-scout and watched every video, like, possible on how to e-scout. I've listened to podcasts after podcasts from Corey Jacobson to Randy Newberg to Paul Medell to uh, just a little bit of everything. Grady Bowman, you, you name it, I've listened to it. And I've learned how to call. And I've shot my bow a ton. I'm way better shape than what I've ever been in my life almost. I mean, I've been working out like crazy, getting ready for the hills. And here's the deal. That doesn't equal an elk, does it? <laughs> Anybody of you, Any of you that's actually elk hunted before, you know that I have a world of education coming here in a couple of weeks whenever I go. Uh you know, I, I can have this level of confidence, but I've got to be careful and not let that take me too far because I know that I haven't been there. I know that I need to keep this in perspective. I think confidence is a good thing. Cockiness is where we get into trouble. Whenever we go a little bit too far, thinking a little bit too highly of our abilities, and Chris mentioned this, and I'll say it again, it's important to be humble. And the Bible is going to say this as well in just kind of a different way. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So the Bible is going to talk about it's important for us to be humble. And it's not just about hunting. It's in other areas of our lives. Um, and not just to be humble for the sake of being a nice, humble guy, you know, a real, you know, light, I don't know how to say it, just kind of, you know, easy, uh, happy-go-lucky person. It talks about humbling yourself before the Lord, and that that's that's hard to do. That means that you kind of listen to what He has to say. You submit. You uh, give recognition that He is the one that holds things together. He's the one that gives you the strength to do what you do. Um, he's the one that actually is providing the money for you and for your family. Um, that's the importance of that the Bible is going to talk about is humbling yourself before the Lord. So that theme kind of resonates throughout this entire episode, and I hope that uh, it's something that we keep in mind going into this upcoming elk season. Uh, about the time that you think, I've got this, just take a deep breath and say, wait a second, there might be something more for me to learn. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I hope that you will come back for the next one. And as always, remember to shed the light.